So the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, we might have it on the screen, we might not have it on the screen. On Christ the solid rock, no that's not it, there it is. But the fruit of the Spirit is, say it with me, love, joy, tonight we're talking about peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. In other words, it is never wrong to have any of those things. Actually, it would be wrong if we had none of those things. But tonight, we're talking about peace. One thing I'm starting to notice as we're doing this study, and maybe you'll notice it too, is a lot of these different things go off of each other. You can't have any of the other aspects of the fruit of the Spirit if you don't have love. 1 Corinthians 13 says that, you know, if we spoke with tongues of men or angels, or if we gave everything we had or gave up our bodies to be burned and did all these extravagant things, it would mean nothing. What Paul was trying to say here is you could have every spiritual gift ever and you could even be used of them to the nth degree, but if you don't have the love of God, it doesn't mean anything. So we have to have the love of God. And then we have joy. You, you can't have real joy Unless you have love. And you can't have peace unless you have joy and unless you have love and unless you have patience. And Everything kind of works together. They all work with each other. They all come together to make something. And it's funny that that thought comes to my mind because the word that Paul was using in Galatians for peace, it has to do with binding something together or joining something together that was once torn apart. So something that was once broken now being mended. All of us were broken people at some point, weren't we? But when Jesus died on the cross, He was able to put us back together. Amen? He was able to bind us back up together. That word there, Irene, it's spelled E-I-R-E-N-E. -E. It means just that. Actually, this word is where we get the phrase, have it all together. You've heard that, you know? Oh, you have it all together. or Somebody has it all together. Usually said in more of a derogatory sense of it. But in reality, it's the opposite of being divided. It's the opposite of dissension. It's the opposite of war. Um, this word communicates inner rest, well-being, and harmony. That's peace. How many of you know we need some peace in the world today? Because there's a lot of division. There's a lot of dissension. There's a lot of people coming up against each other and this person backbiting at this person. We need peace. We need lots of peace. This is what peace looks like. 
Isaiah 26.3 really says it well, and um, my bad to all the viewers, I meant to put it in the Amplified Version online, but it's only in the NIV, so you'll have to take my word for it. But this is what it says in the Amplified Version. I like using this one sometimes because it kind of takes the commentary notes and puts them with the verses so you don't have to like go at the bottom of the page to read it. It's all there. It says, you will keep in perfect and constant peace. I love that. The one whose mind is steadfast, that is committed and focused on you. You will keep in perfect and constant peace the one whose mind is steadfast, committed and focused on you. In both inclination and character. So in other words, this is something that we live out. Because he trusts and takes refuge in you with hope and confident expectation. You can't just say, I have peace. And then when something comes your way, you act as if you have no peace. There, there, there has to be something there. There has to be something substantial there. And we sung about it tonight. The only way we can have that constant peace and be able to be committed to having peace and being able to both in inclination. So in other words, we're not going towards our first instinct, which would be to blow up at the situation and be like, oh my God, what's going on? But no, our, our inclination changes, right? Because old things pass away and, the old, and behold, everything becomes new. We, we go after this idea of, no, I'm not going to let things dictate how I feel. I, I'm, I'm going to go towards peace. And then it comes out in our character. It's with hope and confident expectation. In who? In God. And see, the enemy wants the opposite. He wants for you to have an absence of this peace. Because he knows that if he can get you to worry about, here let me put it in Bible language, about you know the food that we're going to eat, or the, the water we're going to drink, or the clothing that we're going to wear, or if you're going to be able to pay your bills this week, or if so-and-so is going to get over their illness, or if so-and-so is ever going to get saved, and the list goes on and on and on. He'd rather you put your mind and put your inclination and put your thoughts on the stuff that you cannot control anyway than for you to submit your mind to God who can control everything. Not only does he do that, but he, he wants to divert you from the source of real peace. Because you know there is such thing as fake peace, right? I mean, Jesus would not have said, my peace I give to you not as the world gives do I give to you, if there wasn't such thing as a counterfeit form of peace. You, how, do, how do you find these things? First John says that it's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. So it's kind of what we talked about um, 
last week in terms of where do we find joy, but it's a little bit different because this isn't necessarily about pleasure. This is about finding comfort. How many of you know that there are things that we can find comfort in? I'll give you two words. And as soon as I say them, something's going to come into your mind. Comfort food. Yeah, I saw some of the grins out here. I heard Sister Kim say amen. Glory to God. You know, like the, I mean, we're in the South, so the collard greens with the ham, right? Daniel, you'll get used to it. He's, he's from the other side of the country, so he don't, he don't know about that yet. You know, like fried chicken or mac and cheese or biscuits and gravy. Anyway, I need to get back to this. But when you think of that, something comes to mind. Maybe you think about how it made you feel. You think about maybe it was a, a recipe from your grandmother. Whatever the case may be, something comes to mind when I mention the word comfort food. Well, let me ask you something. What do you have in your life that is spiritually a comfort food? What do you have that maybe you're going to instead of going to the Lord? What is it that you're saying, well, you know, I can get this and it'll give me a temporary fix of peace instead of going to God first? What is it that you're trying to use as a source instead of going to the source? There is such thing as a counterfeit peace. But the peace that Jesus gives, the world does not give us. Only He can give us. I don't know how I made the correlation in my mind, but I think of the parable of the lost sheep. Because how many of you know sheep are kind of (laughs) stupid? That's why they need a shepherd. They will just wander off anywhere. If they are not supervised, if they're not enclosed, if they don't have that little sheep dog, I don't know what kind of dog it is, but if they don't have have somebody watching them, somebody watching over them, they're just going to go their own way. And what happens in the parable of the lost sheep in Luke 15? The Bible says that a, a little sheep, this poor little lamb, left the flock of 99 other sheep and went off somewhere. The shepherd grabs him, brings him back. And what happened when the sheep was brought back? The Bible says that there was rejoicing. So there was, there, the, the anxiety was gone. The stress was gone because the moment the sheep was brought back into the sheepfold under the care of the good shepherd, there was peace. The moment we find ourselves maybe getting a little bit off track and God comes in and rescues us, when we call out to Him in the time of trouble, how many of you know there's peace in knowing that God is there in the time of trouble? God is our refuge and strength. And ever-present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Actually, no. He already laid down his life for the sheep. Because that's what Isaiah 53 tells us, doesn't it? He was pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our... What? Of our peace was upon Him. And by His wounds, we are healed. And Peter sums it up actually in the New Testament, and he says, by His wounds, you were healed. So Jesus died. He he, he paid the highest price for what? 
for our healing, for restored relationship with God, for freedom from sin, for freedom from the world, and for our peace. Real deal, lifelong, everlasting peace. And by the way, it, it, it doesn't stop when we die. We, we are able to tap into that peace even when we make it to glory. Amen? But if we want to have this peace now, there is a way that we, quote-unquote, activate this in our life. We submit ourselves to God. How do we submit ourselves to God? Well, 1 Peter 5 talks about this. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 10. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 10, it says, um, just to give a little context, so Peter was talking to the elders or like the church leaders and telling them this is how you treat everyone and then he talks to the the younger so that'd be the congregation and then he just lumps everybody in for the rest of the verses because all of us need to do this he says humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time notice that we're not able to lift ourselves up verse 7 says cast All your anxiety on Him. Why? Because He cares for you. This is a callback actually to Psalms. I believe it's Psalm 58. It says, cast all your burdens on the Lord and He will sustain you. Then verse 8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Then it says, verse 9, resist Him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing... Same kind of suffering. Verse 10. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. I'm going to start moving around because I just, I need to. That's how I get it out of my system. Amen. So it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So that word there for cast, it's kind of like if we were playing hot potato, right? And I'm not going to throw it, but I throw it. I toss it, right? Because I can't have it in my hands. That's what it means when it says cast. Get rid of it. Like, just throw it away and don't even think about it again. He's saying, throw out all your anxiety to where? To the Lord, because He cares for you. He's the one who's able to carry the burden in the first place. And I love that it says, cast, so, so, so cast this away. But then Peter says, be alert and of sober mind, right after that. So, in other words, when you're casting your anxieties on God, that doesn't mean it's this willy-nilly, lazadaisical thing that you don't have a care in the world anymore. It just means now you're no longer thinking about things that are not a priority. You're now getting your mind back to where it needs to be, which is what? Be sober. Be vigilant. In other words, be awake. Be prepared. Because Satan is still out there. Yeah, you casted that anxiety on the Lord. You casted that worry on the Lord. You prayed about this, and then you said, you know what, Lord, I've prayed about it. I'm going to leave it up to you, and I'm not going to touch it again. But now, you got to focus on the enemy of your soul still trying to come against you and throw some other thing at you, and then, 
if you're not careful, you'll pick that thing up, even though you just dropped something over there. You, you, you see? Then it says, resist him standing firm in the faith. Since we're talking about peace, right? What does Paul say in Ephesians 6? To, to take up for yourselves the, the, the shoes of the gospel of peace, to stand firm in them, right? And we, we did that series on the full armor of God. What, what, what's going on there? The, the Roman soldiers, they had these spikes on their shoes. So they would stand firm so they couldn't be budged. And that's how it needs to be when we are fighting the good fight of faith. Because Satan is going to want to pummel you right into the ground. He's not your friend. He's not your friend. Sin is pleasurable for a season, but that doesn't mean he's your friend. No, the devil is a liar. He comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. So we have to have a firm footing on a solid foundation. And then it says, And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, I've said this before, but one of the promises of Jesus that you'll never find in a, a Hallmark card or one of those you know, cute websites with all the, the flowers on the Bible verses and whatever, you're never going to find in this life you will have trouble. You're not going to go to Dollar Tree and find a Hallmark card for a friend that says, in this life you will have trouble. But it is one of the promises but I love it because he says, in this life you will have trouble. Yes, but be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. That's why we can have peace. That's why we can know that even though we're going to go through stuff, he himself will restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. Amen? I'm trying to stay in the teaching zone, but I'm getting into the, 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 the preaching zone a little bit. But that's okay. Hallelujah. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. This is a Sunday school verse, something I learned when I was a kid. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Trust in the Lord. Cast your cares on the Lord. Resist the enemy. Be alert and of sober mind. These don't sound like suggestions. They're not suggestions. Some people take what's in here as a big suggestion book. It's not a suggestion book. This is a list of commandments in here. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Well, is this supposed to be something that is um, burdensome? No, absolutely not. Actually, when I was looking over my notes today, the Holy Spirit dropped this in my heart. He said, God's commandments are a fence that protects us, not a barbed wire that hurts us. It's a, it's a fence. It's supposed to keep us away from the things that would want to hurt us, right? And to keep us in the place where God would want us to be. That, that, that's why we go off of the Word of God. That's why we go off of these parameters. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So where does our understanding have to come from? From this. 
I'm jumping around a little bit. Spoiler alert, guys. I'm sorry. We're told in Philippians 4, 4 through 7, rejoice in the Lord always. And Paul's like, okay, I don't think you got it the first time. Again, I say rejoice. And it says, let your reasonableness be known to all. The Lord is at hand. So in other words, what is reasonable behavior? To rejoice in the Lord always. And, and again, we, we hear another apostle telling us not to be anxious. So in other words, what is our inclination? We want to be anxious. We want our hands in everything. We want to control everything. But he says, no, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, others say, and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So in other words, how do we tap into that peace? By not being anxious and by rejoicing and by bringing everything to the Lord with thanksgiving. I'm going to go ahead and tell you what that does not mean. It does not mean, thank you Jesus, I got a flat tire. No, what it means is, you know what, Lord, I know I got a flat tire, but thank you, Jesus, it wasn't the transmission. Thank you, Jesus, that I was able to change the tire. I could still drive my car. I have a car. I have transportation. No, we look at what's going on, and we still choose to focus on God, even though the temptation is to worry about it and to be like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. We trust in Jesus Instead, yeah, the, the leaf was bothering me all, sorry. We trust in Jesus instead. I keep mentioning this, but it's true. Our inclination is that we want to be in control. It's part of the sin nature. We want to be in control. If something is messed up, we want to fix it. But here's the problem. We can't fix everything, and this one's going to bless somebody. You can't fix everybody. You can't fix... Y'all online, I hope you heard that. If you don't get nothing else, you cannot fix anybody. Yeah, Kyle, close it up on me, whatever you're doing. <laughs> it's impossible. It's impossible. Because you know what? While you're trying to fix them... They're looking at you and trying to fix you. And then you don't know who's right anyway. You want to know who can fix all of us? Jesus. That's the one who can fix everybody. So instead of you trying to do it, why don't you just let him? You, you, you step out of the way and you let him take care of it. That's not even on here, y'all. That, that's for somebody, I'm telling you. Maybe it's for me, I don't know. It's for somebody. But we try so hard to do things on our own. We either say, I don't need any help. Or we do it in the way that seems a little bit more humble and we say, no, 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 it's okay, I got it. But either way, when we're telling the Lord that, it's pride. If the Lord sees something that 
he wants to fix, if the Lord sees that there's something that we're stressing over that he wants us to give to him, and we keep saying, no, Jesus, I got it, that's pride. And here's the thing, pride is not good. Proverbs 16, 18 through 20 tells us what happens. It says, pride goes before destruction. That's pretty harsh. Well, it's true. And a haughty spirit before a fall. Better, I love this, better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers. And blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Not in themselves, not in their own understanding. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. And we actually have a little example of this in the Bible. In Hebrews 4. And I'll just read it out of the New King James. Excuse me, y'all. Thank you, Jesus, for water. Hebrews 4 gives us a really awesome example about what happens when people try to do things their own way. Actually, let me, let me go back a little bit. You remember the story of Joshua and Caleb, and they went in you know, to spy out on the promised land, and then 10 other people went in, and we got two different stories. One said, oh no, we can't go in there. These people are giants, and they look at us like grasshoppers. But Caleb and Joshua said, no, we can take this. God's on our side. They had peace about it. The other guys were anxious about it, and they said, no, the, the, the people of Israel said, we're going to side with the ten. But how many of you know that going with the majority is not always the right thing to do? And what does the Bible say? They couldn't enter. God's like, all right, y'all are going to do circles for 40 years. This is what Hebrews 4 tells us about all this. It says, let us therefore... Fear, it's a Hebrews 4, I'm doing it in the New King James, guys, my bad. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of us entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. That's fine, I could do it in the ESV. Next verse. Um, For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard didn't benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Notice, they were not united by faith. They all heard the same thing, but because one group had their minds inclined on worrying and only two of them had their minds inclined on God, there was a miscommunication and one thought it was a message of defeat when the other really understood it was a message of victory. Verse 3. For we who... Oh, nice. Thank you, Wesley. For we who have believed do enter that rest. So notice the New Testament parallel now. 
As he said, this is what God said, I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Who? The Israelites who were stubborn and said we're not going to listen to this report. Uh, My bad, you can go back. I wasn't done reading it. Thank you. Verse 3. Verse 3. Okay, amen. For which we have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall not enter into my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So it was already in the plan of God to give them victory. For he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day. In the same way, God did rest in the seventh day from all his works. Verse 5. Yes. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Verse 6. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of what? Disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day. David said, today. After such a long time as it has been said, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Do not harden your hearts. Verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not have afterward spoken of another day. Verse 9. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Verse 10. For he who has entered his rest has himself ceased from works as God did from his. In other words, when we enter into the ultimate rest, You can put it back, verse 11. When we enter into the ultimate rest, which is faith in Christ, we have peace. We're not trying to make everything work. We're not trying to labor. We have given it over to Him. Therefore, He takes care of it. Doesn't mean that there isn't the struggle of us wanting to figure out, okay, well, I really want to do this. And God's like, no. There will be that. But ultimately, we can enter into His rest Because of that, it says, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So again, we have two options. Really one option. Isaiah 32, 17 through 18 tells us which one is the better option. The effect of righteousness will be peace. And the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. My people will abide in in a what? A peaceful habitation. In secure dwellings and in quiet resting places. God's commandments are a fence that protects us, not a barbed wire that will hurt us. When we do things the way that the Lord would want us to do, we're able to enter into peace. Things will still come our way. We'll still deal with trouble. But we have a different outlook because of where our foundation is. Our foundation is not on sand. Our foundation is on the rock. And Jesus is calling all of us into that place of rest where we don't have to toil, where we don't have to worry. 
He tells us in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love this because what he's referring to here could be taken one of two ways, but the second is probably the most likely. Um, first of all, the yoke is what they would put around the oxen. So if y'all ever, I'm saying y'all, and I've never even been on a farm. I've just defeated that whole purpose. But if you have ever like been on a farm, you know, the, the animals have the yoke and it's being, you know, they're, they're pulling. Okay, you get it. Yeah, see, even Adriana said, yeah, she gets it. So I'm going to move on to the next thing. <laughs> but what Jesus was saying here is, take my yoke upon you. You'll find rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He, he, he is, yes, referring to that yoke in a sense, because all of us do become bond servants of Christ. But another thing he's referring to is an actual term that was called a yoke. So rabbis, um, you know, they would have a following, right? And the ones who would follow them would take the rabbi's yoke upon them. And that yoke was their teaching. That yoke was their way of life. And what Jesus is saying, what I have for you is not burdensome. What, what I have for you to do, what I have for you in following me, it's not a burden. It, it, it's actually something that is light. Bible says that with this, we will find rest for our souls. And Jesus wants all of us to enter into that rest, into that sense of peace where we can still make it through the things that are going on in this life. You know, I remember when everything with COVID was starting out and I was standing in line at Family Dollar and I was just buying some random disinfectant stuff. And I guess a lot of people at the beginning of COVID were really talkative. It was just so interesting. Like, total strangers. Hey, you got hand sanitizer? You got this? And da-da-da-da-da. What do you think about, you know, they're going to shut everything down and all this stuff. And, you know, I'm just thinking to myself, this is so weird that people now want to talk to everybody. But used it as an opportunity to tell people, yeah, you know what? I, I got my disinfectant wipes and, oh, yeah, the, the lockdown, that's going to be crazy. But you know what? At the end of the day, I know God's in control I serve Jesus, and if something happens, I know where I'm going. That's what I would tell them. And sometimes they'd be like, amen, and sometimes they'd be like, okay. They wouldn't do the last part, but you know what I mean. But it's true. We do know where we're going. We, we know that if we have Christ, no matter what comes, we're going to be secure the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. And even when we leave this life behind, Bible tells us in Revelation 21, He's going to wipe every tear. There's going to be no more death. There's going to be no more mourning. There's going to be no more crying. There's going to be no more pain. And then he says, I'm making everything new. 
I make all things new. He says, it's done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this. And I will be their God and they will be my children. It reminds me of a song I was listening to today and I'll just indulge you with the chorus. Maybe I'll sing it another time. But it says, no more night. No more pain, no more tears, never crying again. There'll be praises to the great I am, and we will live in the light of the risen Lamb. Who's looking for that day? Who's looking for that day? But it would be unfair if I said that and if I left out the other part of the truth. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, all liars. So in other words, all unrighteous. Those who decide they don't need Jesus. See, John 8 says that if There is no covering for sin. You perish. The only covering for that sin is Jesus. The Bible says they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So yes, there is a heaven. But there is also coming a lake of fire. And this shouldn't be something that scares those who know Jesus. And it's not something that should scare people anyway. The whole point of it is this. Just as there will be a life, there will be a death to come. This death, though, was not intended for us. And I make this clear because, you know, we have a lot of people nowadays that say one of two things. They either don't mention this, or when they do, they make it out as if everybody's going there with no hope. No, there is hope. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our peace. Remember what I said at the beginning. He brought us back together. He mended us back together. Giving us restored opportunity to have relationship with God. But there will be those who say, you know what, that's great, but I really don't want it. And they will still die with their sins uncovered. They're rejecting the ultimate peace. But I want you to know it's that that's not a decision that anybody wants to make. And especially y'all watching online, that's a decision that you do not want to make. If, if you don't know Jesus today, like we read in Hebrews, today is the day. Or as Isaiah puts it, today is the day of salvation. You can log off of here tonight. You can get off your phone, you can get off your tablet, you can get off of whatever with peace in your heart, knowing that you will be with Christ. All you need to do is confess with your mouth that He is Lord, believe in your heart that He's risen from the dead, and you'll be saved. You just come before Him as you are and you just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, I need your grace. 
Come into my life. Change me. I confess with my mouth your Lord. I believe in my heart you've risen from the dead. And because of that, I am saved. And with that, you will be in the family of God. And with that, you'll be able to experience the everlasting peace that I'm talking about tonight. And you don't have to wait until you're dead. No, no, no. You can experience it now. This peace is available now. In fact, Job even says that the righteous are given rest. The righteous are given sleep. So maybe you didn't know the Lord and tonight you'll probably have the best sleep of your life. Why? Because there's a peace. There's a peace that's there. That you know that everything is okay and that everything is going to be okay. Because your sins have been covered. Your sins have been paid for. You have restored relationship with God. But love you guys. I hope to see you all next week and tune in on Sunday. God bless you.